Welcome. This is All the Fuck In, a podcast from two entrepreneurs about showing up for social justice in your work. This isn't your typical capitalist-focused entrepreneurial business podcast. There are already plenty of those. We're here because we've been craving voices rooted in activism, justice, and integrity with those values. These are conversations about all things business and entrepreneurship, but from a radical perspective that says we don't have to choose between social justice values and being successful in our work. This won't be a place where we claim to have all the answers. Our intention is to offer guidance and support while also encouraging our listeners to discover and live into more questions. We believe these conversations require ongoing practice and a consistent dedication to unlearning. If you're ready to go all the fuck in on what matters most while creating an abundant life, you're in the right place. And a quick note on our content, we believe self-care is radical and non-negotiable in the work of both justice and entrepreneurship. So some of these conversations include mention of trauma, both from a systemic and often racialized perspective and in relationship to experiences like sexual violence. We hope you do what you need to take care of yourself while listening, even if that means pausing and returning to an episode at another time or skipping it altogether. Hi everyone, we're back. It's Tristan speaking. I use they, them pronouns. And this is Lauren. I use she and her. And I just realized I never plugged in my microphone. Oh, go plug in your microphone. I'll stuff my face for a minute while you plug in your microphone. We can keep this recording going. <laughs> I just like something feels different. Oh, I don't have my sound set up. <laughs> yeah, so plug in your mic. No worry. Um, well, everybody, we're so glad to be here for the last episode of the season which is really wild to think about um thanks for bearing with my sound (laughs) and Tristan's getting extra time to uh eat there it looks like a sandwich yes it is a sandwich thank you (laughs) those of you who are watching this on the video welcome to my snacking yeah oh my gosh can I also say that hold on let me see if this works does that sound better there you go. Now you're connected. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that I love how in our episode with Tatum, Garrett left in the part where we, I know. Like, we start over. It was so cute. It was just yeah. like the most, <laughs> the sweetest thing. Tatum's like, I don't know how to be on podcasts. I'm like, yes, you do. <laughs> you know, and we're like, we'll cut that out. And then you're like, we'll leave it in. And then we pause and then we start all over again. And Garrett left the whole thing. I loved it. Yes. Shout out to Garrett. If we haven't already shared, Garrett Jurst has come on as our podcast um, audio editor support person. Um, yeah. And it's been really great to have his support and to be part oh, of the team. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Kerr too. And you know, what's funny is I don't know if I've ever said Kerr's name out loud. Mm. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Kerr Purpura. Purpura? Sounds, I, I think it's Purpura, but yeah, we'll have to ask her. <laughs> no, I'm like, I really, I've only ever read it, never said it out loud. Um, yeah. But Kerr is helping with like transcripts and for the episode, like Tristan and I trade off every other episode, like who's uploading all the stuff and Kerr does those for mine and it's a godsend. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we, it, it's wild to think that we have a little team that this is, it, it feels very, uh, organic in the way that it's grown. And also yep. when I think back to where we started, yeah. we didn't really know what we were doing. Not that we do now. <laughs> um, it's, it's really awesome to think back and be like, wow, like a lot's happened. 30 yeah. episodes. 
what? Yeah. 30 episodes. It's going to be coming up for two in two years on two years soon. Since yes. like, we first started talking about doing it. And since we first dropped episode one, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. That blows my mind. Also. I mean, COVID time feels weird, super yeah. long and also very collapsed. I don't know how yep. to explain it. Um, both way too long and not long enough. I don't know. <laughs> yep. I know it's true. Um, yeah. So, and also we have a Patreon now, which shout out to Tristan here for getting that off the ground. <laughs> like they were the ones who like set it all up. Um, but we have 11 folks on there and we were reflecting before we started recording. We know all of those people. I mean, you all are amazing. Um, yeah, I'm just super grateful. And it's so humbling that people want to, you know, materially support what we're doing. And we're very close to covering our operating expenses for website and all that stuff. So little by little. Yeah. Thank you to those of us, those of you who have joined us on Patreon. And if you haven't yet checked out what's happening over there, you listener, um, please do. Uh, you can join for as little as $2 a month and right. any amount is really going to help us keep this going. Um, and it also just helps us feel like, I don't know, the community support element feels really good. Like we know people care. We know that they in, are invested in these conversations and this work and that they want us to keep it going. And that feels really good to yeah. me. And you know, we share videos, as I know we've, we've said before on the podcast, but we share videos of the conversations with the guests who consent to sharing the videos. And um, Lauren and I are going to be doing some collaborative workshops um, and giving a discount to patrons. So, you know, if you're interested in offering some support, we would love to, <laughs> to have you in that community. And if you're simply just going to continue listening and enjoying the episodes, we're really glad you're here. So that's yeah. incredible. And, and a free way to give us support. I mean, because of the algorithm, if you're listening on Apple podcasts, five-star ratings, leaving a review, even if it's super short is so, so meaningful for that. Um, and also just sharing episodes with folks. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things to do. And I love a podcast. I'll share it with people. Totally. Who I think would resonate. So. I have a friend. Hi, Erica. I have a friend <laughs> who, um, texted me last night, Megan Nicholson is, is in town staying with me right now, as you know, Lauren and, mm -hmm. and Erica texted me last night because she's coming over to hang out with us today. And she was like, I just re-listened to May's episode on your podcast in, in preparation of meeting them today. And I was like, Oh, that's so sweet. Like, Which, by the way, was like a year ago when we I recorded know. it, it was last April. That blows my mind. Cause I'm like, I, I know I was staying at Kyle's old place when I was transitioning apartments right. before we moved in together. And I'm like, that was, that would have been April. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So wild. Yeah. yeah. And shout out to May's uh, upcoming workshops. They're doing yes. Cool yes. Stuff. Shout out to May's upcoming workshops. I think that these might drop, this episode is going to drop after their workshops, but they may oh. have several stuff that they're launching in the near future. So if you're not already following Megan Nicholson's work, I highly recommend it. Of course, I love them. And so I'm biased, but yeah. um, we'll link to their website in the show notes and yeah, yeah give them a little well, boost of love. And speaking of upcoming stuff, I mean, Tristan, you have a lot going on. No, <laughs> that's all I but like, is there anything in particular you want to share with folks? That yes, I do, Lauren. Let me just make sure when this is coming out. Great. Wonderful. Okay. So this episode drops on March 30th. Um, starting April 9th, I'm teaching my first public long form workshop series on trans inclusion for lack of a better 
phrase. Um, and, you know, I've been talking about this on the podcast for like, what, a year that like, I want to go deeper. What does that look like? How yeah. do I prepare people in a meaningful way? That's not just a two hour or a three hour thing that like, you know, I see so many people, I hear so many people go out after those workshops and then immediately misgender someone. And they're not like actually digesting the information. Cause like you have to show up for the conversation more than once. Um, Right. So, yeah, so I created this offering. It's called Creating Safer Spaces, Embodying Your Commitment to Trans Inclusion. Um, feels particularly timely given the latest anti-trans legislation that's that's happening, um, which has been really, really hard um, to swallow and 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 hear about. Um, and I just really want to call people in to 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 going deeper um, and and to understanding that the value of showing up for the conversation multiple times. So right. we're going to have six sessions every other week on Saturdays. Um, and we're going to do like, you know, a deep dive into gender, what it is and what it isn't, um, sex, gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation. All of these things are different. Most of you who are listening probably already know this. Um, uh, we're going to talk about pronouns. We're going to talk about what inclusion actually looks like and not just as a buzzword, like what allyship actually looks like and not just as a buzzword. Um, we're going to spend two hours on harm and accountability and repair, um, which is kind of at the midpoint. And it's 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 a rough two hours. Um, like I, I can't I can't not not, not talk about harm, um, right. and transphobia and how that shows up, um, in subtle ways and then in more overt ways. And so it's, but the cool thing about the series, and then we're going to talk about like inclusive language and how we make pivots in our branding and our marketing in a way that's like meaningful and not just virtue signaling. And it's going to be really cool. I've been doing it with a small group, um, and it's going really well and they're getting a lot out of it. And I feel like it really prompts people to think about this particular training is like a space where people are going to have some time to reflect on their own experiences of gender in ways that maybe they haven't before and be in community conversation with others around those topics. Um, and the other thing that I'm noticing too is like the value of engaging in the social location conversation, which you and I have been talking about like over and over again. And how every time you dive into that, I'll speak from the eye, every time I dive into that conversation, something new comes up in me. Um, lately, it's like a lot of grief. Like every time I name my transness lately, it's just like I've been crying in workshop settings when I say like, and I'm trans. Um, so yeah, I'm like, am I selling this well? <laughs> I, mean, I think you're being really clear about who it's for and what you're going to learn in it. And I really appreciate you saying like doing these things more than once is helpful. So even though, yeah, maybe I've heard of the difference between gender and sex and things like that, like the more I learn from folks about it and the more times I hear it in different ways, right, from different teachers, the more equipped I feel to talk about it with other people. Yes. And that that's a tool in my advocacy toolbox, I guess, yes. um, <laughs> to be able to share that with people um, when things happen. And um, yeah, I, I just really, really appreciate how you broke all that down. And even the conversation about harm, yes, those are rough uh, <laughs> things yeah. to confront and talk about and like 
God, it's so empowering to come away with a structure and some tips and like actual ways to implement how to fuck up less um, and to address it when you do, because we're going to, we are going to mess up. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really cool stuff for lack of a better word. Um, I'm really excited about this. I will hope to offer it again later this year. Um, so there's that if this April series doesn't land for you, those of you who are listening and interested and like also, you know, to the point about like, who is this for? I want this to be for everyone. Like this isn't just for yoga and wellness Mm -hmm. professionals. This isn't just for cis people. Like anybody can come. I want to hold a space that supports and affirms trans folks, gender questioning folks, gender non-conforming folks while being in this conversation. You know, it's a tricky balance to, to educate cis folks in a space and center people who aren't cis. Um, but I'm learning more and more about how to do that. And I, I'm, I'm really excited about the series. So that's like the latest exciting thing in my work. I feel like, um, yeah. Well, and the mentorship. Yes. And the mentorship program. Yeah. Which is, it's, basically at max capacity. Oh, now. just kidding. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm like, if somebody else wants to join, please join us. Um, that also starts in April, the yoga, social justice and marketing mentorship. And we just wrapped up the first cohort and it was, mm-hmm. I mean, shout out to those of you who are in that program. Cause I know a lot of them listen to the podcast and like, that was a really special experience. Um, yeah. 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 And I mean, I'm nodding, not that I was in it the whole time, but I got to guest teach, which was so fun. Um, and I, one of my sort of, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, content creation clients, Allison was part of your group. And she and I had a call yesterday where she's like, it was just the best people. I met like so many amazing people through yeah. Tristan. And yeah, I can definitely attest, like you will meet an amazing community. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about the next cohort. It's going to be very different and very cool. Um, and I'll be doing that again, I think in October too. So if April doesn't work out, if you're interested, um, yeah, yeah, it'll keep, it'll keep happening. Um, yeah. Tell me about you and take up space, Lauren, where are you with it? Yeah. Well, we're recording this on March 4th and as of March 1st, it is available for registration in it's evergreen, like self-paced, form. Um, and anyone who signs up before the 15th gets special pricing because the actual content won't drop until the 15th. So it's like mm. a reciprocal way for me to have a little bit of income while I finalize all the things that take a lot of time and energy and actually money on the front end. Um, and also give people, you know, access to it at a lower price point. Yeah. Um, but for those who don't know, so take up space, it's an anti-capitalist online course and a community. Cause there are live coaching calls every single week, um, where you learn how to stop with this self-improvement cycle, which is total bullshit and really exhausting and just start to learn how to trust yourself and trusting yourself really comes down to trusting your values, trusting your vision for the future, trust. And and that means for yourself and the collective, and then really trusting your voice and how to use it in the process. And it's been so fun to work on, like making the sales page was so much easier than anything I've worked on in that way in a long time. And I think it's because letting go of that whole like launch, start a program at a certain time model for me is just so much more sustainable. <laughs> and I'm, I'm very excited too, because it means 
in this format, first of all, there, again, there are still weekly calls and there are those community touch points and I still get to know everybody, but the content being evergreen is just a way easier lift for me. And it also means it's, I can price it way more accessibly mm-hmm. um, cause it's not just a 90 minute live call for eight weeks. I have um, two things I want to say, will you yeah, explain yeah. for people who aren't familiar with the term evergreen, what that means? Oh yes. Thank you. I've been using it a lot. It basically just means it lives on my website for the time being forever. I don't know, maybe I'll change it someday. I'm sure I will, mm-hmm. but it just means it's, it's not something I have to go and change a whole lot once it's there. Um, and that you can sign up at any time. Um, basically like once you join, you get three months of access, your, your payments happen monthly for three months, you get three months to work through it's 11 modules, but that includes a welcome and a closing. So it's a pretty good pace. And then every week there are coaching calls. So you, as soon as you're in, you can go to the next weekly coaching call. They happen every other Friday, midday, and every other Tuesday in the evening. Um, Hopefully that, you know, kind of makes it possible for more people to attend. And it's Um, all self-paced, self-guided. Yeah. So if you have a week off and you're like, oh my God, I really want to do two modules this week and work through this, or I I'm feeling really energized by this one topic. I'm going to keep going. You can do that. If you need a week of a break and come back to it, that's cool too. And of course people also have the option if they want to extend their time with it, they can, but three months just felt like a really uh, doable chunk mm-hmm. for people to bite off initially. Um, yeah. And I can, I can only imagine that part of the reason that creating the sales page felt easier or fun even was because you're finding a groove in a new iteration of your work that is like really freaking aligned for you. Oh yeah, for sure. And I know what this thing wants to be now. You know, I I said this on a recent podcast I recorded with our friend, Brooke, who we talk about every episode. Um, But uh, yeah, it's like now that I've done this a couple of times in beta mode, take up space specifically, I also did versions of this work in the last two years with other groups under other names and branding. I I knew this wanted to be this model of an online course and community. I also know exactly what the modules need to be outlining it. I'm just repurposing what I already have. It's not Uh starting from square one again. So yeah, I feel really, really good about it and really excited. And the people who are already joining are just some of my favorites. (laughs) So, well, everyone's my favorite who I work with really. Um, So I know it's going to be a lot of fun, really meaningful. The feedback I've been getting from people too, who've already done it is very validating and that makes it easier to keep going. Yeah. It's such an important conversation to me. It's like encompassing so many different facets of the way capitalism. I mean, I know you say this, it's like an anti-capitalist perspective, but it's like the way capitalism conditions us to think that self-care is like something you can pay for with nail polish and bubble baths or like Right. Or like the whole self-improvement cycle, as you said, and how actually the thought that we need to self-improve at all, like what, uh, wait, what? Um, Like you're really challenging so many significant narratives and bringing in what I see is like your justice and equity lens into this conversation. And I'm watching people like what I'm sensing is that when people go through the program, they're finding like some sense of center and a clearer way in a more empowered way they're feeling clearer about how to use their voices or how to advocate for themselves or how to interrupt harm and leverage their privilege and it's just such a neat thing that you've put this together I'm really inspired by it oh thank you and and I think the other big thing is people feel better when they have some of these tools that I teach and not that every single tool works for every person I really encourage people like if something doesn't 
land for you, that's fine. Like context matters, experience yep. matters, but I really worked on what has worked for most of my clients, what has worked for me and people I know, things that are evidence-based or research. Like I'm not just making shit up. These are tools like ways of setting boundaries, for example, ways of speaking up. I'm giving, there's a, like a little bit about social location and things like that to ground us. But um, yeah, it, it's really about like, what's the inner work that makes the outer work possible, Amazing. but the outer work, we don't talk, I mean, it's woven throughout, but it's, there's not like a big push on that because I think most people are already there. They yep. know they need to do it, but the reason they're not, or not showing up the way they want is because they're fucking exhausted yeah. <laughs> I'm like over it. Yeah. And I understand. Yeah, I do yeah. too. Yeah. So yeah, lots of, lots of cool stuff happening. Um, it's a, it's a, I, I was doing some monthly reflections on February and I'm like, I think I had the best month I've had in maybe a year mm. just in terms of how I felt. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Part of that is my meds getting figured out, but also <laughs> just, yeah. just work being a little easier. Yeah. That's so great. I'm so glad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I know we wanted part of why we wanted to do a wrap up episode for the season with just the two of us was we're like, you know, it'd be cool to have some time to do some clarifications, um, of stuff that's come up in this season. And even in the past season, like some podcasts will have like a corrections corner and we're not necessarily correcting, but we do want to underscore and clarify some stuff that's come up when we maybe didn't have capacity to do it in the moment. Um, should I kick us off? Kick it, kick us okay. off. Yeah. We have a whole list. Everybody. We have a list. <laughs> um, so one thing that has come up in the last few months, and this is, I think a big testament to you, Tristan, speaking up when something didn't land mm. for you or felt harmful for you is like, we're, we're still grappling with and figuring out like, what is our responsibility as a podcast? And with two people who have a platform, maybe not the biggest platform, yeah. but a platform and who we are sharing that with who we're bringing onto the podcast. And for me, I'll just speak for me first. Um, cause I know you have a couple of things on this. I'm personally really grappling with leaving up a certain episode with a certain guest from the first season who, after learning more about what it's like to be in one of their spaces, it just felt really icky mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. And so, yeah, we're kind of figuring that out. Um, so we just wanted to you know, name that and share that with people and that it's messy and we don't have all the answers quite yet. Um, but going forward, we have some community agreements we've started implementing with guests ahead of time. They get like a Google form and just consent to it. And then we're also really focusing on guests we're already in relationship with, um, mm-hmm. which we were doing anyway, but we, we started were. getting approached and pitched and so just know, like, if, if we don't know you, it's not that we don't want to ever talk to you or have you on, but for now we're just focusing on on people we, we already know. Yeah. Um, and part of it is like a harm reduction strategy, yes. not to say like the people we don't know are more likely to cause harm, but people we have existing and authentic and meaningful relationships with, we can navigate instances of stickiness or ickiness right. uh, with more ease on our part. And like, yes, we know we're both space holders and facilitators in our work. And this is a space holding and facilitation process this podcast, but like, I don't think I was really looking at it like, great. Now I've got to hold this space and notice if something happens and then interrupt it. And how do you do that on a podcast? Like it's very, um, I have felt a lot of pressure, like, 
And, and, and so, you know, there've been a couple moments in season two in particular, where I'm like, whoa, that didn't sit right with me. Like, how do I name it in the moment? Do I name it in the moment? What does that look like? Because then you're, I'm potentially calling someone in publicly on a podcast and like, I'm not saying that's wrong. I think it's pretty damn awesome to be able to do it, but I'm not always equipped to do it, especially if I'm the one experiencing the harm. I was about to say, if it's about one of your identities and one, again, like you were so um, generous and like told me when something happened that had gone totally over my head because I didn't, I'm not trans. So it didn't occur to me that something was harmful. Um, And we got really clear about like, there are times I can be the one to interrupt that, especially if you are the one being harmed. Um, and I'm sure vice versa in some ways, although I can't think of any identities I have that are more marginalized than yours. Um, but yeah, and, and that's part of the agreements too, is now guests up front are going to be told or not told, but invited to consent to, yeah, the, if this goes on, we we're going to talk about it, not in a shitty way or to like put someone on blast, but to call people in. Yeah. Yeah. And for ourselves too. And, um, I want you to share more about the gender piece. Can I say something about the ableist language for myself? Please do go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I haven't listened back to earlier episodes cause we kind of interviewed each other at the beginning, but until the last few months, I didn't realize or really take in that words like crazy and insane are ableist. And I'm sure I use them a shitload of times (laughs) in earlier episodes to just know, like when we're talking about this, it's for us too. Um, and that, yeah, hopefully if you fast forward through the intro, you know, that in there, we're like, this is messy and we don't have all the answers and yeah, we're going to, we're not going to, I mean, we, we talk so much on this podcast too, about like, what does it mean to expect ourselves to not quote, get it right? Like our capital R, right? Like we're not always going to get it quote, capital R, right? Like, what does that even mean? how do we like hold it with the people we bring on the show? And then how do we hold it for one another and with ourselves? And, you know, the thing that's come up for me around the gender piece is like, not everybody's having this conversation about gender. Um, Clearly that's why I do the work that I do, which maybe one day I won't do because it won't be needed. Wouldn't that be lovely? Um, But as long as- Yeah, I will retire. Exactly. I love it. When's that happening? No, I know. Just kidding. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, it's fine. But I do feel like, you know, there have been, I I can think of two specific moments and Lauren and I want to be very intentional about not like focusing on one person or focusing on, you know, somebody who did something wrong. Like that's something for us to do moving forward in the moment live. Um, but to like go back and be like, well, so-and-so said this and -and so-and-so said that, like, look, if you've been listening, you all know what I'm referring to. Um, like lots of folks have reached out to me about some of the conversations we've had that felt weird or off or messy at certain moments. And like, I've had to really sit with Like I, one of the things coming up for me is, um, especially if somebody is a person of color and there's a gender-based harm moment coming up, I have a hard time in those moments because I, I, I want to share power. I want to check my whiteness. I want to check my sense of authority and like, so when somebody who's a person of color says something relating to an identity that's, you know, relating to cishet normativity or, you know, whatever it is, um, in a way that doesn't feel clear or mm-hmm. truthful 
or maybe, or maybe in a way that feels uninformed, it's like, I had to really reflect on like, how do I hold those moments? How do I do it in a live training space? How do I do it on this podcast? Um, And, you know, I just want to say, Lauren, like, I don't think it all went over your head at some of these moments. Like my sense of your experience is that you saw stuff happening and you trusted that like, we'd talk about it as we needed to. That's true. And like, you weren't just like, yeah, Tristan's fine. It's no problem. Like (laughs) you sensed that stuff was going on Um, and you weren't totally clear on what it was in all instances, but like you were aware. And this is, to me, this reflects back on like my learning as a white person in noticing racism as it occurs in more quote subtle ways. Like sometimes it's, it's, that's the muscle that we have to build. It's like, oh, I think something's going on here. And I think it's racism, (laughs) like, oh shit, right? Um, And I feel like that's the lens I feel like I'm in even as a trans person around gender sometimes because I'm unlearning too, like. Yeah, well, and you said something in our conversation that we had on that phone call where you were like, sometimes it takes me a minute to realize that it's not just me feeling off because of something else in the moment. It like takes you a minute to metabolize it maybe. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and that's true for all these things. Like sometimes I don't know how I feel about something until I've sat with it for a minute. And that's why interrupting harm doesn't necessarily always mean doing it in the moment. Yeah. What a like nuanced thing to bring into the conversation. Cause I feel like I'm really like insistent on like, you got to do it right when it happens, but we're not always available for that, as you're saying. And there have been a couple instances on in recent episodes where I'm like, I feel something in my body, but I talk myself out of it for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And then I reflect on it over the course of several days, process it with a friend, whatever. And then I'm like, Lauren, Hey, did this, I think this happened or like Lauren, this happened. Um, and then it's like, what are we going to do about it? Do we, you know, do we call the person in after the fact, do we leave the episode up? Do we release the episode at all? Like it's, it's gotten, um, sticky and, Yeah. And I feel, you know, I think you named this at the beginning of this like section of the conversation, but, you know, we have a responsibility to be considerate with who we're platforming and, and what we're platforming. Um, And I think part of the reason we're bringing in the community agreements with our guests is to be more responsible in that regard Um, and to set up a tone where it's like, look, if you say something funky or wrong outright or harmful outright, we're going to say something about it in the live conversation. And like, I, we're not saying this explicitly, but like, no, why would we edit that out? Like, this is a part of the learning process. And, you know, I also want to name that the other thing coming up for me too, is the responsibility I have, not just as a trans person, but as a trans person who does the work that I do. Like, right. I don't want to be harming my trans siblings and community and queer friends. Like, And that's one of the things that came up for me too, after a couple episodes was like, sure, I'm okay. Like I was upset in the moment. It pissed me off. I was angry or I felt hurt or I felt harmed and I worked through it um, in whatever way that looked like. But like when we put out an episode, then you as a listener are hearing this moment and that's going to impact you too, whether you have a trans identity or you're learning about trans identities and experiences and potentially then getting misinformation or right. so anyways, it's just, it's very sticky and we really want to be careful, uh-huh. <laughs> like, full of care about it. Yeah. You know, for each other too. And 
Um, and I was also going to say going into season three, I think we talked about how we'll share the community agreements in some <laughs> form and they're all based on, um, what we've learned from Michelle Johnson. There are a lot of agreements. If you've ever been in one of her spaces that you'll, you'll recognize that we've kind of adapted. Um, and I think we talked about maybe that could be a topic for our workshop that we, <laughs> that there we you offer. Go. Um, yeah, so it, there, it, it's just really important to have that shared understanding going into something. Cause then it's like, when that thing happens, everyone's like, oh yeah, this is what we talked about ahead of time. We're all on the same page as far as what we do now. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you want to say something too about the nuances around the confronting culty shit conversation? Yes. I mean, first of all, Tatum was so incredible to have on. I loved hearing more of her story, which I didn't know all of the history yep. of how she got to where she was with the most recent space she exited and then had to call in publicly um, in her open letter. And, you know, we had a really not black and white conversation with her, which I think was so important because there's plenty of the other mm -hmm. <laughs> type of conversation about those spaces. But Tatum was really um, energized by talking about like, how do we uh, what, what's the word? This is part of my COVID brain, like losing words, even though I'm a writer, um, how do we negotiate or confront like where we have caused harm mm -hmm. as we're waking up to what happened to us and the yeah. ways we were harmed? Like we're all capable of being harmed and causing harm was mm -hmm. I think her quote, yep. but I really want to underscore for people if they didn't really take this away from the episode, confronting where you caused harm is a huge piece of that puzzle. And please don't put all of your energy into doing that if you are not actively recovering and healing from what happened to you. There is a difference between someone who is outright predatory, narcissistic, um, someone who is like pathological in the harm that they're doing. And those are people who generally are not willing or able to take accountability, like the person that Tatum called out. Yep. Um, and, and, also an element of those culty spaces is anything that's not working for you gets turned on you and it becomes like blaming the victim. Yep. And so please don't do that to yourself. If you are in recovery, if you're not there yet and able to like make your amends and whatever, don't force it, like really find support so that you can do that when you're ready. Um, so I just, and, and Tatum also is like several years out in her mm -hmm. recovery too. So I think that's why she has all of that perspective and nuance now with it. But yeah, after we came away, I'm like, oh, I really want to make sure <laughs> people aren't continuing to gaslight themselves into like, because I, so I, I'm, you know, recovering still from a really abusive ex who's totally narcissistic. And for a while I was like, am I the narcissist? Am I the yep. abuser? And generally what therapists have told me is like, if you're asking that question, you're probably not. Right. <laughs> so yep. Um, yeah, there's a difference between someone taking accountability and trying to repair harm who feels empathy and somebody again, who's like pathological. And yeah. And part of what I hear you saying too, is the importance of in the repair or accountability process, when we ourselves have caused the harm it's as a result of a situation in which we're being harmed and the yeah, the, exactly. The accountability repair process can't come 
when we're in that potentially negative thought spiral that like, oh, I'm the narcissist, I'm the abuser, or it was my fault, or I should have known better. Like the accountability repair healing thing that we do with others has to be done when we're clearer about what was our responsibility and what was not our responsibility. Right. And how those caring sides of yourself were co-opted and manipulated by the abuser or the cult leader or whatever you want to call them. Um, like those things get used in order for you to recruit more people into their MLM or to share what they say is this ultimate capital T truth. Like that, that was not like your fault. That was part of the abuse. It is your responsibility to clean up where maybe you contributed to a mess, but again, like you were harmed too. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to give, can I give like a small example of this? Yes, please do. Yeah. This was coming up for me. I listened, I re-listened to the episode this week, which was really like nourishing for me to go back and hear it because I could only absorb so much live and it was just so big. The conversation. Yeah. And by the way, we want to have Tatum back on because there's so much more we could. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing that came up for me that I wasn't, because I was so focused on like the yoga teacher harm that I experienced from my primary teacher or my early teacher. And the thing that came up for me in listening to this episode this time was, I mean, I'm just going to echo, like, I also am recovering from an abusive relationship with a narcissist and have been for almost seven years. And in the recovery period, when I was in that relationship, one of my closest, oldest friends got married and invited me to the wedding. And I didn't go and instead was coerced and manipulated into ending the friendship with her by my ex. Um, And I did it in this weird way where I was like, I'm not coming to your wedding. And here's why I think you're a bad friend. And this was all coming from like really messed up manipulative thought things going on. It's true when you're true. Absolutely. Yes. And so I didn't talk to her. Melissa is her name. Hi, Melissa. If you're listening, I didn't talk. We've talked about this a lot. Um, I didn't talk to her for a long time. And then as I was leaving that relationship, I reconnected with her and I was able to say to her like, Hey, I'm really sorry that I didn't go to your wedding. Like I, we still talk about it. Like I'm always going to regret not being there with her on that day. She's one of my closest, oldest friends. Like how could I not have shown up at her wedding? And, and how could I have used all these quote signs as evidence that she was a quote bad friend like Mm -hmm. she's never been anything but supportive and there for me like but I was really messed up and mixed mixed up right and I I didn't know I didn't I was convinced I didn't know how to love and I didn't know how to receive love and like it was it was messed up mind fuck is this the Melissa I know Yes. Yes. It is the Melissa, you know? Yeah. And and by the way, like that is such a testament to like, if you have a friend going through this, the best thing to do is be like, I will be here when you're ready. Like if you, if your friend is in an abusive relationship and you've already named, like, I'm concerned about your safety and well-being, but they're not ready to go. They're not ready to go. The best thing you can do when they're ready to come out is just be there. No, I told you so's right. No. I mean, so when I called my dad, when I, cause the final, um, the straw that broke the camel's back in my relationship was, I found out he was not just cheating, but like in a whole new relationship and telling everybody I was out of my mind and that he had already moved on with someone else. Meanwhile, we were still living together, sleeping together, whatever. So, but when that happened and I left, I called my dad who is not a well person in some ways. So I, 
I think my expectations were maybe out of alignment with reality, but he was like, your mom and I have been so worried and you're going to hear what I have to say. I ended up hanging up on him. I'm like, that is not what you say to somebody. No, no. And I is lifting. I just, Melissa was really there for me and like heard and received my apology and has received it several times. And it helped me hold myself responsible for what I was responsible for while also honoring the way in which I was being manipulated and coerced. And that moment for us has been, I think for me, really powerful. And it has also through that relationship with Melissa and the fact that she was there and she didn't shame me and she just supported me and didn't blame me and didn't say, yeah, that sucked. I hated you when you didn't come to my wedding. She was just like, she was like, I get it. And I'm sad and we'll both be sad about it. But like we held it together in a way that helped me not just heal and mend that relationship, but helped me with my own individual healing in the process too. And I want to say something about your point about like, just be there when somebody comes out of the abusive situation. We can't always be given our own trauma histories too. So like self-care and boundaries are important when it comes to showing up for somebody else who's maybe in a recovery turning point process too, right? right? And it's, yeah. It's so messy. Messy is the word of the day. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes that looks like, hey, I, I am so glad that you're okay. I'm going through this shit can we connect in a couple months when I have more space? Cause I also had the experience of some people not replying to me. And these are people yeah. I didn't actually fuck up with. They just, yeah, for whatever reason, we're going through their own shit, but, and, and, you know, that's also a learning of what kind of relationships those were yep. versus what I thought. But um, totally. yeah, it's, it's so hard to be a person. <laughs> it is very hard to be a person. It's true. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so- do you want to talk about abolition? Sure. <laughs> yes. This is another thing that came up in another episode um, where I don't feel like it was spoken to the way that it actually is defined. Um, and, and also it's something that as white people, I know we're both like learning about what it actually, what does abolitionism actually mean? Yeah. Um, and so when we're talking about abolition, defunding the police, um, I have been um, supporting this um, house candidate here in Colorado for the state house, um, Elizabeth Epps, who is incredible. If you have any dollars, please give them to her. She runs a bail fund, former public defender, just total badass queer black woman. Um, so she shared this ahead of the caucuses on Tuesday night in case she couldn't speak so that we could speak for her in the room. So she talks about abolition as a commitment to the belief that people deserve to be safe, healthy, and free. So as an abolitionist, that's about focusing on policy solutions that give people opportunities and resources to be safe, healthy, and free. The best way to reduce future harm and keep each other safe is building safe, healthy communities where people have their basic needs met. Like, go figure, you know? And by the way, I just an aside for me, I'm a sexual assault survivor. I recently had to go through pressing charges against this dude who like attacked me on the street back in September. I had a lot of mixed feelings about that because I am an abolitionist and that's the only system that we have right now to hold people accountable. He was also this bougie white guy who had tons of resources and he ended up just getting um, parole and I think he has to go to anger management. So anyway, messy. And as someone who's been harmed, I'm still on board with this because the best way to reduce that risk for other people is by helping people meet their basic needs. So it's also, you can't like arrest your way out of a homelessness crisis in a city like where I live, 
you can't prosecute people to stop drug use and addiction. I say that for me as somebody going on four years in recovery, like we all deserve to be safe. Um, And those are the things that actually underlie so much quote unquote criminal activity. She also talks about, um, and this is her quote, abolition does not mean immediately disbanding law enforcement or legalizing crime. Like, of course not. You know, like if you're murdering somebody, I'm still going to call 911. Um, But it does mean abolishing poverty, abolishing food and housing insecurity, and eradicating health and educational disparities. It means investing in mental health care, harm reduction, smart drug policy, violence interruption, strong public schools, clean air and safe water, and other sound policies that actually are proven with facts and data to enhance community safety. So I love that. I think. I'm wondering, like, so I'm going to read a passage to compliment Lauren's quote from Elizabeth Epps. I want to read a passage from Patrice Cullors' new book. I'll, I'll show it to our Patreon video viewers. Such a good steps cover. to change yourself in the world, an abolitionist handbook. Um, and I'm, I'm about three quarters of the way in, and it's, you know, talk about inner work and outer work. Like, she's really digging into the inner oh, yeah. work. Um, And I love it. Like, I just want to share briefly, and then I want to read from a passage, because I feel like she's echoing what Elizabeth Epps says, but maybe in a, in a maybe different direction at the same time. And she's got in the 12 steps, like one is courageous conversations. um, And another is uh, say yes to imagination. And another is allow yourself to feel. forgive actively, not passively, commit to not harming or abusing others. Like I just, I'm kind of blown away by like these 12 steps and how on some level it feels like they all have come up in the podcast. Like Sean's episode. Yes. Yeah. Sean's Kelly, Nicole Palmer's like, I mean, uh, Tatum's like, it's like, we've been having this like there's al- it almost feels like the more I study abolition and become clear about what it is and what it isn't, because I think mainstream media would have us convinced that it's anarchy, that it's um, chaos, that it's uh, that it's the the dissolving of everything that maintains the health and balance of a community or society to, right. to, to make way for organic whatever. And right. I think it's much more intentional and clear than mainstream media would have us believe. And And okay, so I want to read some of what Patrice Cullors writes about it. Um, But I think the point I was trying to make too is like, I think abolition has been kind of underlying the podcast for many episodes. Um, So it feels important that we honor the people who are really studying it and really articulating it and representing it in in an actual true way. Um, So Patrice says, what is abolition? Abolition is the practice of abolishing a system, practice, or institution. Sorry, it's the action of abolishing a system, practice, or institution. She says, abolition centers on getting rid of prisons, jails, police, courts, and surveillance, period. How it affects us is so much more than that. Mm. Abolition is a social justice movement, and it's my goal with this handbook to make it clear what abolitionist practice looks like in your day-to-day life. No matter what part of social justice is your personal bellwether, the abolition of prisons, jails, police, courts and surveillance must be part of the struggle. Are you committed to improving education in your city? Does your city use armed police officers in the schools? Abolition practice is part of your fight. Are you concerned with water pollution in your city? Did you know that the ecologist has ranked the US military as one of the largest pollution polluters in the world? Abolition is part of your fight. 
I mean, she goes on, she goes on animal rights, mental health care, um, being locked out of the billion dollar now legal marijuana industry, um, musicians who use streaming services. Right. Um, and then she says, abolitionist practice is also about establishing a system that is rooted in dignity and care for all people. That's, you know, echoing Elizabeth Epps point, a system that does not rely on punishment as accountability. What abolitionist, pra- what abolitionist practice is not, this is not about fixing a broken system. We're not looking for better food or more access to education in prison. We're looking to abolish the entire system. And when people hear the word abolitionist, they usually think of slavery. Like the mission to abolish slavery, we don't have a halfway mark. Abolitionists didn't say, let's just make slavery better. Let's get them better shoes and dentures and clothing and fewer beatings and better hours on the plantation and the right to marry and keep the babies. No, the system had to be abolished, as does the prison system, which shares much in common with the system of slavery. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I need to go order this book. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's, it, it, it's one that I think I will read many, many times. Um, I was going to say that's like a reference. It, it's like skill in action. Like you go yep. back to it. Um, and for those who don't know, I don't, I don't know if you said this, but Patrice is one of the original like founders of the black lives matter movement. Yep. Um, alongside Alicia Garza. And I feel like there were some other folks, but Opal Tometi. And yes. then I think they were the, the three. Um, and interestingly enough, Susanna Barkataki, who we're going to have on season three was one of the school teachers when Patrice was growing up in the school system. Um, so they had a relationship and like, from what I understand, and I'm looking forward to hearing about this from Susanna when she comes on, they were like, even though Susanna was a teacher and Patrice Colors was a student, Susanna also learned so much from Patrice. And I, I, the other thing that's really wild is that they were all within minutes of where I was growing up. And, and so Patrice was in a high school system, neighboring my high school system, all within the LAUSD school district. Um, and, and like, and Susanna was there. And I just felt like everybody, there was this conversation happening that was so incredible. And I was somewhere nearby having a very different lived experience at the time. And I just feel like it feels really, um, I don't know what the word is, tender and, and emotional for me to think that like these incredible leaders in these movements and in this conversation were near me as a kid and I didn't even know it. And I was, you know, having my own ignorant, white, privileged experience, though also clearly very painful in different ways, <laughs> particularly from a gender standpoint and a sexual orientation standpoint. But like, I'm just, I'm so touched to know that they were neighbors to me um, and that they were teachers to one another and that, you know, we can bring in Patrice's book into this conversation and like talk about about what abolition actually is and then bring in Susanna Barkataki, who's going to talk about like yoga and embodying yoga and using yoga as a tool for activism and, and honoring the roots of yoga. And I mean, it's just like, like all the things worlds colliding and I'm pretty sure Patrice is like on our list of guests oh yeah (laughs) like dream one day one day yeah and they were in Oakland right uh LA oh LA okay yeah um yeah and Patrice like if you follow her on Instagram she talks about like very honestly about you know how her brother has had interactions with law enforcement because he is mentally ill and very sick and you know his 
his journey of like being in and out of different systems that are not set up to care for him and how different the world would be just for him and her family if we had these systems of care. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited to get my hands on that book. I'm literally going to, I'm going to make a note in order. Right? Yeah. I would also recommend, um, her other book, which is a memoir when she talks a lot more about her brother and the family's experience with his right. mental health struggles and with, um, the police state in response yep. to his mental health struggles, yep. um, which is called when they call you a terrorist. Um, Ugh. Yeah, she's amazing. Like, I mean, of course she is. Uh, yeah, Patrice Colors, come on the podcast. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> we'll talk about anything you want. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm also, um, I have an immediate family. I, I have a parent who has a similar story to her brothers. And the only reason like he even ended up getting any access to help was being arrested a couple of times. Like it, it's, that blows my mind that it takes- that for somebody to get medication and therapy and all those things like yeah and and how hard it was to like I didn't want to call a wellness check for him because right. I didn't know what he would do and if I mean and this is a white man I can't yep. imagine had he been a person of color how much scarier that would be so yep yeah we need we need lots of new systems and lots lots more imagination so yeah but I do well, feel like they're happening I mean, I, I, yes. And I feel like these not to like, be like, and we're making it happen. But (laughs) the fact that the fact that this stuff has been underlying all of these podcast conversations without our even saying like abolition is evidence that it is happening. Right. That, that this is, this is stuff is shifting, you know, and yeah, like it's not shifting fast enough. Um, and there's a lot of roadblocks and obstacles and, you know, shit's fucking hard right now. Um, and like, look at all this incredible, look at all the incredible conversations that are happening. Um, Yes. Yeah, for sure. And for anyone listening, like if you have a podcast inside of you that needs to be out, like, like create from that place, if you feel called to do that, and if you need support with it, take up space is open for enrollment right now. you know, join your local DSA and just plug in and find like the one thing that that group is doing locally. And and that's, um, I should say democratic socialists of America. They're all about like, what are material improvements to people's lives that we can make right now? Mutual Mm -hmm. aid. Like there's so many ways, like when you start plugging into those communities, that for me is where I find hope and can pull out of despair when I'm in those dark places and like, Oh, we're fucked, you know? (laughs) So um, yeah, there's, there's so much power in, in being together. Not absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, there, I think we got to our whole list. I, say, yeah, I think we covered it. Is there anything else before we wrap for season three that you want to leave people with? <sighs> <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. I, I, I don't think so. I think I'm good. What about you? I feel, I feel complete. I feel satiated okay. and really excited for the folks we have coming up and one more plug for Patreon. If you can, support even $2 a month is a huge, meaningful difference. Um, yeah, we just, we appreciate you for listening. Thanks yeah. For yeah. It's, you know, as we started celebrating the fact that we've done this for two years, 30 episodes, you know, it's, it's a joy to be in this project. I know, you know, we've said it before. Um, and it's just really neat to see it growing even in small ways. Um, and yeah, we're excited for what's to come. Well, and should we say, we don't know exactly when season three is landing. Yeah. Yeah. Stay tuned. (laughs) TBD. Summer, late 
summer, fall, I don't know. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Just you'll, we'll you'll hear from us. When- <laughs> yeah. Please subscribe, follow us on Instagram at all TF in podcast and yeah, we'll keep you posted. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take good care. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of All the Fuck In. If you like what we're doing, we'd love if you'd subscribe to us on Apple or Spotify and leave us a five-star rating and review. This helps other folks find us. You can learn more at alltfinpodcast.com. That's A-L-L-T-F i-n podcast.com and on instagram at all t-f-i-n podcast or at tristan katz creative or and at lauren k roberts